into cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Good morning. It is hump day. Today is Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. Welcome to episode number 436 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Jenny Housley, Marcus Kyler, Jonathan Carpenter, not only IT, Medine G, Kenneth Ruff, folks like Patrick Moss over on LinkedIn, all the folks over on YouTube like Cherie Slam and Brian Peak. First-timers, long-timers, squad members, community members alike, all of us are going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. Stone Arrow's up in here. We're all going to be shredding the top cyber news stories, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on those stories. No problem, Space Taco. Good to see you, Adrian. I'll be giving my opinion on those stories, so how can you operationalize them at work? How can you make use of them to reduce cyber risk for your business, your organization, your clients, your, your business units, whatever? And if you are just looking to break in the industry, maybe you're cyber curious, whatever, don't think that this doesn't apply to you. Don't think that you're an outsider looking in. You are part of the community. Believe me, in order to break into the industry, knowing what's going on, having a network like the people in chat right now, knowing the terminology, knowing that LockBit is a top tier threat actor, understanding how malware gets detonated on endpoints, understanding how people are obfuscating malware and APK files, because we covered that yesterday. All that, even if you don't get it all, just exposure to it is the step and path to beginning. And believe me, you will be asked in any job interview for a cyber job, how do you stay current in the industry? I promise you this. The Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is a phenomenal answer to that question. You gotta pay attention though, but believe me, uh, I try to make this ed educational and entertaining um, for everybody. Uh, just real quick, it is Worldwide Wednesday, so we're gonna be doing that in just a hot minute, which I'm super pumped about. Also, also, I've got a, I didn't tell anyone, I got a video premiering at 9.15, so we're gonna go right up to nine, do jaw jacking to 9.15, and then hopefully you guys wanna join me as I premiere a video on a Google cybersecurity full review. I went, took some of the courses, did a debrief, honest review. Um, so we'll get into that uh, in a minute. Remember, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CP, oh, come on now, is worth half a CPE. So it stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to get your CPEs. They are so worth it. 
How do you do it? Say what's up in chat. Take a screen cap with the date. You're off and running. Just file it away. You probably never need it, but in the rare chance you're audited by your certification body, you've got aces. You got two thumbs and all smiles. You're all set. If you're on replay, hashtag team replay in the comments. I do love engaging with the team replay people. I actually had <coughs> an extra couple minutes last night. Um, so I really got after it with team replay comments and, and stuff like that. Definitely appreciate, by the way, I know there was like a whole lot of conversation live yesterday about the infrastructure bill and funding um, high-speed internet to very rural locations. A lot of great chat in, in live chat. Also, a lot of great chat in team replay. It really, really makes me feel great that uh, we can have an open open discourse and have different opinions and stuff like that and it never gets personal it never gets malicious it's just perspectives and thoughts from different people someone in team replay was from utah and they're like it's like this out here some people um south carolina where i live people are like oh you know i live in the rural parts and game changer so i just wanted to re-emphasize that this is a supportive inclusive safe community where we are allowed to share our thoughts and perspectives as long as we're respectful of each other and of the community. Okay, before we get into it, I do want to say if it's your first time on the show, drop a hashtag first timer in chat. I absolutely love welcoming the first timers. Personally, I know other people do too, but I really like saying what's up to the first timers. If you're starting a new job, some people DM'd me privately. Some people, so multiple people, starting a new job very soon. Congratulations, you're going to destroy it, my friends. All right, guys, before we get into it, let's pay some bills. Starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions, if you guys don't know, they're dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. You'd love to engage with them before you have a cyber incident so you're prepped in the event you ever have to do one. Want to say shout out to Panopsi Security, Brandon Pullen is tuned. They are a partner who will understand your cybersecurity program or more importantly, help you develop an effective cybersecurity program. If you work somewhere right now and you guys don't have a cyber program, like you're in charge of IT or InfoSec and you don't have a cyber program, there's no reason you shouldn't have to. There's really well-defined frameworks. Call Panopsi. Panopsi.com, link in the description below. He can, Brandon and his team can come in, look at all of your situation, people, process, technology, lay out a roadmap for you, get you on a maturable program state. Also want to say what's up to Anti-Siphon Training, more about them at the mid-roll, but you might tell that I'm trying to move really quickly because we got a lot of material to cover today. Uh, by the way, fun fact, I do not review or prepare for any of the stories Um on the stream in advance so you're getting my raw hot take i got 20 years in the industry so i have some thoughts on some things i don't get them all right but i get some of them right all right guys it is worldwide wednesday so if you're new here we do this really really awesome activity every wednesday before we get into the news before we get into it it is a sponsored segment so let me say worldwide wednesday is presented by it pro tv now it pro from aci learning the international online training solution that professionals in audit, cyber, and IT turn to for binge-worthy content. I have taken some of their content. It is phenomenal. Daniel Lowry is one of their edutainers. 
Uh, Sophie Goodwin's over there. I've done multiple projects with ACI Learning. I'm telling you, I stand by the quality. You can use promo code SimplyCyber30. You can see it in the pinned chat right now, also on screen. You can use the code SimplyCyber30 to get 30% off your first month or first year. You can see right there, this is what the website looks like if you go to the URL in the pinned chat. Reminder, if you are a veteran, first responder, or teacher, you can get up to 60% off. I would love for you to use my affiliate code. It helps me fund the Simply Cyber initiatives. However, I am more concerned with you saving as much money as humanly possible. So first responder, veteran, teacher, get your 60% off. Either way, great content worth checking out. All right, guys, it's Worldwide Wednesday, so let's do this really quickly. Here's the deal. Mods, get ready. Mods, get ready. All right, guys, here's what we do. Every Wednesday, I pull up this world map right here. I'm going to play Daft Punk around the world for two minutes. I'm going to ask you where you are. Don't do it yet. And then you get to watch me flail about as I try to uh, pin this map as quickly as you guys are coming at me. All right, so let's get Daft Punk going. Daft Punk, you in the house? There you are, buddy. Yes. Yes. Get the Jack Nicholson animated GIF. Yes. Yes. I said it, Alana. I don't know if Alana's in chat, but here we go. Two minutes on the clock. Here we go. Where are you at? Long Island in the house, bringing the United States online. First and foremost, West Virginia's in the house. Hey, what's up, West Virginia? Cat GPT's in here this morning. Where you at, Cat GPT? Come at me. Texas in the house. Carrie bringing on the great state of Texas. Australia, I see you. Oi, oi, oi. Hey, Alpharetta, Georgia. Hey, Maine, love it. Tokyo's in the house bringing Japan online. Love it. First time for Tokyo. Hey, Phoenix. Hey, Bulgaria. Uh, mods, it's coming in wicked hot now. Uh, Bulgaria, uh, we'll come back for Bulgaria. I can't find it. Wisconsin's in the house. Brooklyn, Afghanistan. Thank you, Afghanistan, for coming online. Kentucky, I love it. Ireland's in the house. Holy jeez, you guys. I can't scrub chat quick enough. Ireland, I got you, Ireland. I got you, Afghanistan. Good to see you. Byron Bay's in the house. Hey, Columbia, bring it on, South America. Definitely pumped to have you in the house. What's up, Boston? Beantown's in the house. I see you, North Dakota. Coming in, Minneapolis. I see you, Dirty Jers. I see you. Lipstick, chapstick, or whatever. Chapstick and uh, laundry. France is in the house. Love it, love it, love it. Where we at, Illinois? I see you, Chechia. Let's do Chechia. Where's Chechia? We got Bulgarian Chechia yet to be found. There's Chechia. Got you. Kansas is in the house. Ooh, the Bahamas. Very nice. I do like the Bahamas. Um, it might be too small on my map, but we'll, we'll, we'll dig in there a little bit. Where are we at? Indiana's in the house. Virginia, a lot of U.S. in here. Brian W. coming in from the great, large, Middle Eastern country of Tom Bishop at the boot. I see you, Tom. Sweden's in the house, bringing on Sweden, I love it. Fjords, fjords. Hey, Delaware, what's up, Connecticut? Canada, bringing on the Maple Leafs. I see you, Chechia, John. We got you already marked. Malaysia, I will admit ignorance, I do not know where Malaysia actually is on the map. Sweden, we got you. All right, guys, that is definitely the fastest two minutes in the world. Let's go ahead and, um, let's go ahead and, like, just, we do a little bit of, we do a little bit of cleanup here because the uh, mods are like, Jerry, you're out of control. All right, so we got Greece online. We had Bulgaria. Where's Greece? Isn't Greece right near Italy? 
Oh my god, where's Greece? Dude, come on now, I'm not... There it is. I got Greece online. Ethiopia's online for Africa. Thank you, Ethiopia. The DR, I see you. It's probably Leonardo, right? There's DR. Sal Tomei's in the house. Kingston. I love it. Near Singapore. Malaysia's near Singapore. All right. I got Malaysia. Thank you very much. I love it. Hey, what's up, Colorado? I see you out there. All right, guys, let's just take stock for a second. Jamaica, Jamaican me crazy, am I right? Uh, watch out, Carrie and uh, James McQuiggan. I don't know where Jamaica is, but guys, we got a lot to cover today. Um, I know, I know. We got it. Hey, mods, we got to come up with a better way, obviously, to do this. But the important thing is um, I see North America, South America, Central America, Europe, Africa, Middle East, Asia, Australia. Yeah, we totally crushed it. Thanks to ACI Learning for sponsoring that segment, guys. Well done. This just further proves that the Simply Cyber community is international, worldwide, inclusive, supportive. We are repping all over the place. Thank you all so very much. There's Jamaica right under Cuba. I got it. All right, guys. Do me a favor. We got a lot to cover. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us. In an awesome wave. I'll see you guys at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. CISOs proclaim cybersecurity confidence, but majority admit to SaaS incidents. <laughs> Cybersecurity company App Omni has released its new State of SaaS Security Posture Management Report, which surveyed more than, quote, 600 IT, cybersecurity, and business leaders at companies between 500 and 2,500 employees, end quote. 71% agreed, quote, that their organization's SaaS cybersecurity maturity has achieved either a mid-high level or the highest level, but only 21% claimed zero SaaS incidents in the last 12 months, end quote. A link to the full report is available in the show notes to this episode. All right, so I got a couple, I got some thoughts on this one, okay? So first of all, CISOs tout SaaS cybersecurity confidence, okay? Ready? This is reality. CISOs tout. You know who they're touting it to? The board. <laughs> no, no, no. We're good. We're good. Had them fill out a questionnaire. 79% of them, though, admit incidents. Yes. Happening all the time. I got to... Uh, okay, so first of all, objective information for people to take an action with. One, when you introduce SaaS, microservices, the cloud... Um, you're extending your footprint. This is why zero trust architecture is like a concept that um, really does, you know, I know it's kind of funny and it's been beaten around because it's a buzzword, but it really does warrant um, some um, uh, serious, uh, you know, implementation. Here's the deal. When you're implementing all these things, your attack surface, where your data is, remember, it's back in the day it was called information security because we are protecting information wherever it resides now it's like cybersecurity, which includes systems and applications and people and stuff like that but here's the deal when you're moving your data to these cloud services or you're allowing api hook-ins or you're uh setting up vpn tunnels or whatever in order to leverage SaaS services right so think of slack discord um telegram e outlook email 
Um, if you have, like, say you work in healthcare and you've got like mobile app, like Epic app or, or something like that, right? COVID app, whatever, right? Like all of these things are not going back to your infrastructure. So as a CISO, <clears throat> excuse me, as a CISO, when you are trying to get your arms around your attack surface, right? It's very difficult to know where it goes. It's like, it's almost like fuzzy and blurry on the edges because you don't have visibility. And if you look at any cybersecurity framework, right? And I, it's it's trite at this point, but if you look at any of them, CIS level, you know, CIS 18, CIS one control is asset inventory. NIST cybersecurity framework. The first thing you do is identify. Do you know what you're identifying? Where your data is, what softwares you got, what hardwares you're rocking, right? And, and what uh, supply chain looks like. My point is nobody's really doing that first part because it's wicked difficult to do, especially in a decentralized manner where people like Carl can stand up a, a cloud service, no big deal. Like, oh, no, no, just, yep, click through the EULA, no big deal, right? So, yes, there are services like CASB, Cloud Access Security Broker, which has I've seen with mixed results in order to kind of control this sprawl. But at the end of the day, the reality is in 2023, CISOs, the, where your information is and where your workforce is working is not in your infrastructure. It's a blend hybrid infrastructure and cloud. And many small businesses are actually fully in the cloud, okay? The, the, the final thing I'll say on this story, and I am coming in hot today. Woo! Coffee's strong with this guy. Listen. The final thing I'll say about this, and this is no disrespect to anyone, okay? Typically, CISOs are older, right? They've been in the industry a while, okay? CISOs came up, people that have been in the industry long enough to be a CISO, typically came up in an infrastructure environment. Cloud's a relatively recent phenomena, okay? Like, I know it's been around for a few years, but like 20 years, right? And cloud became mainstream five years ago, right? So 25% of my, 75% of my career, I was like an on-prem guy, right? You see this with um, senior engineers, people who have been doing, you know, Active Directory or, you know, Windows environments for 20 years. They are now the senior person. So they get pushed over for the Azure implementation because you're the senior engineer. Cloud is way different than on-prem. There's no way around it that is totally different okay there's some venn diagram intersection but for the most part it's different but the senior engineer people the senior CISO people they're like well this is kind of my responsibility so i gotta i gotta manage this right so they get pushed into this situation and now they either have to fake it till they make it or they apply their old legacy thinking and processes which again works for this side of the venn diagram but does not map to all the other cloud stuff. And you get this risk exposure that shows 79% admit SaaS incidents. This also probably does qualify that the SaaS provider security sucked too. Sorry, Jaden. Sorry, Kennedy. I'm just coming in hot. So like when you get in bed with a SaaS provider, you're effectively requiring them to be secure as well. You can't build a castle wall and a moat around your infrastructure and the SaaS provider. You can only do it around your castle. So you have to extend some type of trust to them, which is why we make them fill out questionnaires, which is hilarious at this point because no one really checks the questionnaire because the business has already decided, no, 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 we're going with this. Like GRC person, you do whatever you got to do. And only if there is like a massive flaming, you know, uh, like pulsating, throbbing issue 
can you ever like intervene and say like, we cannot do this. This is a nightmare situation. All right, thank you for coming to my TED talk. Cyber health report. Hacker entry point shifts from email to network. We have been covering a growing number of stories on breaches and attacks on hospitals and healthcare systems on cybersecurity headlines. And yesterday, Critical Insight released its H1 2023 healthcare data cyber breach report. Chief among its findings is that although, quote, the first six months of the year saw an encouraging decrease in the overall number of data breaches impacting healthcare organizations, this was overshadowed by large-scale breaches resulting in the significant increase in the number of individuals affected, which reached record levels, end quote. The report predicts that 2023 is, quote, on pace to break the record for individuals affected by breaches, end quote. Hacking IT incidents were the primary cause of breaches, with network server breaches accounting for 97% of records affected, with only 2% due to email breaches. The full report is available at Critical Insight, and a link is available in the show notes to this episode. All right, so two things. One, uh, if you work in healthcare or you're giving a talk in September to a healthcare community, might be worth downloading this report just for insights, right? Uh, because if you work in healthcare, yeah, you're probably a member of HISAC, but in reality, you kind of like the normal is like where you're operating. So this will give you insight into like healthcare as an industry. Now, pick your poison. Yeah, I saw that uh, Duke Norris. Thanks so much for dropping uh, Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief in your interview and then getting the thumbs up. Be like, yes, yes. Uh, so um, check it out. Um, one interesting thing that I heard in this report is that there were far, there were fewer breaches, right? So this is one of those ones where you can use statistics to like to spin whatever narrative you want and you got to be mindful of it with industry reports but you can also you know weaponize it for yourself right so um they basically reported that there's few fewer breaches last year in healthcare than the year before all right hey we must be doing things right healthcare right or also true there were fewer breaches but there were more people's data compromised. So there was a larger impact to individuals on data breaches, simply because the fewer breaches that they were, were like mushroom cloud level breaches versus just kind of like paper cuts. You know what I'm saying? So this is one of those ones where like you can take the, both are true statistics, but you can use them to spin the narrative for whatever you want, whether you're demonstrating that the program you built last year is continuing forward and you're looking good, or if you not got budget yet and you're like, blah, like this is getting worse every year. So there's really interesting insights. Um, I did catch the end. I, I slightly missed it. They said that there were fewer initial compromises through email, but there was another method that was um, working. I, I did not catch it, unfortunately, but it is interesting because email is a massive attack vector. Even in 2023, um, it's just email gets to people. It gets in their inbox. It gets to Carl. And, and you know, there are email gateways, but it's such a valuable, uh, like, effective attack vehicle that it's not going anywhere, right, until we get rid of email. All right, let's keep going. Duo outage causes Azure off authentication errors. Duo Security, a multi-factor authentication provider owned by Cisco, had to deal with an outage on Monday that had been causing authentication failures and errors, with some customers reporting problems with authentication slowness and logins. 
According to Bleeping Computer, quote, the outage also led to core authentication service issues across multiple Duo servers, triggering Azure auth authentication errors for Azure conditional access integrations in a system-wide outage, end quote. The issue was resolved by Duo as of 6 p.m. Eastern time the same day. Yeah. New very All right, so Duo, if you don't know, Duo is a like authentication service. <clears throat> um, Cisco bottom last year. Uh, I, I made a joke. Cisco is a tier one, uh, you know, enterprise grade quality business, but there is a rep in industry. So if you don't know this, let me let me tell you, there is a rep in industry that when Cisco buys you, um, your product, your product is usually awesome why Cisco is buying you and then your product typically goes goes downhill from there. I'm not saying that's the case where everything, I'm not saying that's the case with Duo. I'm just saying there is a rep in the industry around that. Uh, I'm seeing some chat here saying it's around DNS. Um, you know, this is kind of funny. Like, basically, nobody could get in, including bad guys. So everybody was secure. Obviously, this is totally unacceptable because it breaks um, it breaks um, business processes because, you know, legitimate workers are unable to access. This is essentially a denial of service attack. Um, it is interesting. It looks like Duo, uh, it, like, they don't explain what happened. It, DNS, yes, that's fine, but chances are it was a, a an engineer misconfiguring something, some type of, um, uh, sometimes like you, you'll configure something over here and it'll have a downhill uh, impact that you didn't see when you were doing change control. Um, so these things happen. It does not look like it was a cyber attack, but it is interesting, right? From a threat actor perspective, you know, to knock out DNS uh, related to the Duo solution and bringing down multiple enterprises at the same time. Again, you'd basically want to see the world burn at that point because you're not going to be able to um, leverage it for a further attack on a victim because now nobody can get into it. Um, I'm seeing people like Tom Bishop mentioned in chat i think they use duo and they were not impacted so this was not a universal duo customer incident um i want to point out this looks like it lasted about nine hours total so if your business cannot handle nine hours of downtime um you know that might be something worth looking into um or use it as an opportunity to work through your business continuity plan right actually so here's a there's there's something here for different levels of people, right? So, one, if you're um, kind of a a CISO or or you're you're finding you're trying to find some opportunities to get effective tabletop exercises, so you can actually work through business continuity. This is a fantastic one. Like most tabletop exercises, they're like, oh, you got ransomware. What do you do, right? Like ransomware, I would argue is like the default tabletop scenario. This is a fantastic tabletop scenario also um, because essentially what would happen if you can't access things? Anything that requires Duo to access, you can't access. What do you do? Well, well, well we can't do anything. Okay, I mean, is that acceptable? Like, like I'm, not, I'm not trying to poke my finger in your eye. I'm literally asking you, is that okay? Is it okay if we can't access anything for one business day? Yeah, 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 that's fine. That We could do that. Okay, so how do you communicate to staff? Like, are you sending staff home? Are staff just going to play tic-tac-toe in the break room? Like, what are we doing with staff? What are we telling our customers? What are we telling the board? 
These are these are important questions that we might want to think through instead of trying to figure it out at 934 in the morning when you realize that things don't work. This is the power and utility of a tabletop exercise. Again, it's all part of awareness. It's all part of um, cybersecurity education and training. And it's not about a freaking annual PowerPoint. It's about increasing capability and collaboration and changing people's behavior about what actually is important with cybersecurity and how it integrates into all business processes. Of Xloader comes disguised as Office Note Productivity App. This disguised productivity app is actually a new variant of an Apple Mac OS malware called Xloader, and according to Sentinel One security researchers Dinesh Devados and Phil Stoke, it comes, quote, bundled inside a standard Apple disk image with the name OfficeNote.dmg, end quote. This variant solves a problem that Xloader faced in requiring a Java runtime environment by instead using programming languages such as C and Objective-C, using a disk image signed on July 17th of this year. According to the Hacker News, Apple has since revoked the signature. Hacker News continues, quote, Once executed, Office Note throws an error message saying it cannot be opened because the original item can't be found but in reality is installing a launch agent in the background for persistence, end All right. quote. All right, so Xloader, um, I've heard of Xloader. I, I didn't know it was for Apple specifically, but um, maybe just this variant is. Here's the TLDR. This is a really easy one for end user awareness training. Take a snap of this picture, right? Send it to your user community, especially the executives who are definitely using Apple products. Remember, say you're a Windows shop. A lot of your end users might use Apple products at home. They may have gotten their kid a MacBook to go back to school, right? This is back to school week. So don't think that you're just trying to, well, you are responsible for reducing risk for your organization. But remember, your end users, they live a, you know, they don't live to work. They work to live, right? So they have technology. They live on the internet at home. They do Netflix and chill, right? So you've got to think of them, like if you can educate them to protect themselves, they're gonna bring that behavior into the office. This is a great one. Hey, like just a screen cap, wanted to let you know, um, you don't have to say Xloader. You don't have to say Objective-C compiling. Like don't tell your end users any of that. Just tell them, hey, this right here, uh, there's some malware running around right now. Threat actors are making it look like this. Be mindful if you're asked or, or, or directed to download this. Now, chances are, they said that they revoked the, um, the uh, certification around this thing. So it's, it's probably not in the Apple store. You probably can't download it right now. I don't know if Apple has the ability to revoke and pull off apps from uh, Mac OS machine. So if you've already downloaded it, for example, I don't even know what Xloader does. It, it, based on its name, I assume it's like a initial initial um, ex, it's a initial compromise thing that then pulls down second stage payloads. But my point is, whether or not your end users have it, whether or not they could even possibly get it at this point, it's a great learning opportunity. A to dispel the myth that Apple computers do not get malware. That's still kicking around for some silly reason. And B, it shows them that, dude, this looks just like the Microsoft Word app. Nothing about this. This says Office Note.app version one, Intel 64. Like nothing about this has misspellings. Nothing about this, you know, reeks of malware. 
but this is what it is. So great learning opportunity. Also, you know, if someone has downloaded this, uh, you know, if you have ER or something, you might want to check uh, what's going on. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, Macs are pretty easy to re-image actually, because uh, they have the OS built into the um, recovery, but uh, it is an information stealer and keylogger. So I was wrong. It's not a initial stage payload um, tool, but anyways, be mindful. And now a word from our sponsor, Hyperproof. We get it. You're a risk manager or a compliance professional and you're overworked. You're trying to do the right thing by keeping your company safe and secure, but your technology awesome. Thanks, is NSA holding virus back. Lab. Why not upgrade to Hyperproof? Hyperproof is a platform that not only eliminates the manual tasks you dread, but helps you scale security. Get a demo today at hyperproof.io. That's H-Y-P-E-R-P-R-O-O-F dot I-O. All right. I didn't see any first timers in chat today, but hello if you are a first timer. And for the long timers, you know what we're about to do. It's the mid roll, so we have a little bit of fun. Guys, I wanna thank all of you for being here. How many beautiful people we got? 347 of you fantastic souls. What's up? If you're getting entertainment value, if you're getting educational value, if you're getting any type of value, please take a hot minute and hit that like button because it will go a long way to helping YouTube tell other people interested in cybersecurity content what we're doing here. It does not pump my stats. I don't, I don't sleep better at night because I got 240 likes or whatever. I, frankly, I don't even look at the like count. I just know the, the way that YouTube algorithm works, live streams, people like it. It looks at like, oh, all the people that liked it, what do they have in common? In our case, cybersecurity. So then, hey, YouTube's like, hey, you're looking for cyber stuff. Come over here and check out this live stream, right? And uh, that's how we grow the community. So do me a favor. Do the community a favor. Hit the like button. James McQuiggan with a super chat. Going to miss watching this every day as tomorrow I head off to the Northeast for a two-week vacation. Sightseeing, chess playing, and catching up with some reading. Look to represent Canada next Wednesday. Well, thank you, James McQuiggan. You will be missed. Please enjoy your well-deserved, well-earned vacation. Guys, thank you to the um, stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi Security, and Anti-Siphon Training. Anti-Siphon Training, the training department of Black Hills Information Security, they're, they're here to disrupt the traditional training industry in cybersecurity by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of their financial position. There is a link in the description below for going to Anti-Siphon Training. If you get there, go to training, go to pay what you can. Look at these eight courses. They actually have some courses coming up here um, starting tomorrow. Miter Attack Framework Tools, if you're interested. I always say these eight classes, but there are more than eight classes. Hey, if you got time, hop on this class tomorrow. Miter Attack Framework and Tools, very important. Miter Attack is a fantastic uh, resource for our community and understanding how to use it is very valuable. Plus, you can mention it in a job interview, which is epic. All right, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Evan Barnett currently has the um, the baton. Evan is not in chat right now, so Evan has asked us to crowdsource a new person. If you want the Simply Cyber Community Challenge baton, please um, say so in chat right now. King Victory with the super chat. This is the best friend. Yeah. 
Thank you, King Victory. Guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an initiative that we started months and months ago to help you supercharge your LinkedIn feed. What it is is somebody will get the baton, just like Evan Barnett had it yesterday. Evan and whoever gets it today will go on LinkedIn and share their cyber story and use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Now, here's where we uh, get crazy. Go on LinkedIn, search for this hashtag right here. Search for that hashtag right there. Then connect with the people posting and connect with the people in the comments. Then you yourself comment. What will happen is you will get picked up in the Peloton because the next person who goes and connects with the commenters and the original posters will also connect with you. In about two weeks time, your LinkedIn feed will be absolutely curated with inclusive, supportive, valuable cybersecurity content. Now, if you don't want that, do not do the challenge. This is only for people who want to build a cybersecurity, uh, inclusive, mindful, powerful, valuable network. If that's you, do it and let's go. Jess Bishop wants a Panopsi uh, emote. Love it, love it, love it. I actually have to check. I think we're ready for a new emote too. Thanks for the super chat. So who wants the... Um, who wants the um, the baton? Please let me know. Nick Barker's in the house. We can all get going now. All right. So let's do that. We already did the mid-roll. I mean, we already did Wild uh, Worldwide Wednesday, so we don't have a special activity here in the morning. So um, Fred Green wants the baton. There you go, Fred. Guys, Fred Green is got the baton. Fred, you know what to do, right? As the baton. Nice job, everybody. All right, let's keep going. We've got some major activities today, not a lot of time, so we got to do it. All right. Deep Instinct study finds significant increase in generative AI-fueled cyber attacks. Cybersecurity company Deep Instinct today releases its fourth edition of its Voice of SecOps report based on research conducted by Sapio Research, which surveyed over 650 senior security operations professionals in the U.S., including CISOs and CIOs. Chief amongst its findings is, quote, 70% of security professionals say generative AI is positively impacting employee productivity and collaboration, with 63% stating the technology has also improved employee morale. However, 75% of security professionals witnessed an increase in attacks over the past 12 months, with 85% attributing this rise to bad actors using generative AI. Nearly half agree that ransomware is the greatest threat to their organization's data security, and 62% admit that ransomware is the number one C-suite concern up from 2022. The full report is available at Deep Instinct, and a link is also available in the show notes to this episode. All right. Hey, Mono Julian with the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Apple is great with deceiving people that they are penetration proof. I need their marketing team for my resume and LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. So check it out. Deep Instinct releases this report. Um, I don't know Deep Instinct from one place to the another. Uh, obviously, this report, um, you know, it's it's going to grab your email and stuff like that. I do like it. The voice of SecOps is interesting. Um, the TLDR here which should come as no surprise to anyone if you take a minute and just think about it. The TLDR here is that AI is making people better and faster and happier with their jobs. Now, when I say people, I mean SecOps people, GRC people, InfoSec people, but also, let's be real, cyber threat actors, criminals, 
They're people too, and AI is making their job more enjoyable, faster, and easier, right? So everybody, whether they're maliciously intent or they're righteously intent, is utilizing AI. So like, here we go. Shall we play a game? Like, no, like obviously, obviously. Now, they're saying, like, let's look at the SecOps people, because that's who we care about uh, helping. And by the way, SecOps is security operations. This is typically um, bundled with like blue team people, SOC analysts and stuff. Although, uh, you know, SecOps does encompass more. But for practitioners, when we say SecOps, we're talking about blue team uh, detect, respond uh, engineers. Okay. So SecOps people, they're already the ones in our industry that are struggling with mental health the most, right? I'm not saying everybody who's a SOC analyst is like, you know, uh, like at the bar at 1.30 in the afternoon, just like, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, um, you know, alert fatigue, you know, wanting to do an investigation, uh, burnout, you know, apathy, these things, right? So of all the jobs in our industry, SOC analysts typically uh, have the greatest challenge in that particular space. So if a tool like AI is making them happier, making them more productive, making them better at their job, then hell, sorry, Jane, sorry, Kennedy. Like, let's let's go, let's go. But um, just, you know, know that it's threat actors gonna use it too. So yes, uh, the level of attacks are coming in hot and heavy, but, but that's what we signed up for, right? Threat actors are going to threat act, right? It's a game of cat and mouse. We come up with better defenses. They come up with new attacks. And then around and around we go, right? So that's the deal. I personally, I like AI. I personally love remote workforce. I don't know why there's this massive initiative uh, by big tech and, and, and like big business in order to force people back to the office. I can give you one reason why. Great cash, homie. Again, you know, I'll die on this one. Like, if, if something doesn't seem to make sense, follow the money, okay? I just saw on LinkedIn the other day, Mick Merritt posted. She, she got, like, some great job offer, perfect opportunity. Everything's cool. And then they rescinded it because they're, like, at the last second, they're like, oh, by the way, I know we told you it was remote, but now it's permanently in person. You cool to start Monday? And she's like, what? Get out of here with that noise. I don't know why this initiative, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but guess what? I love it. Work from home. AI. Let's go. Carter B. Hacking Group in Hong Kong Supply Chain Attack. Carter B. spelled C-A-R-D-E-R-B-E-E is a new APT hacking group that has been hitting organizations in Hong Kong and other regions nearby using a legitimate encryption and decryption software called Cobra Dock Guard to infect targets with PlugX malware. According to Bleeping Computer, quote, the fact that Carter B uses PlugX, a malware family widely shared among Chinese state-backed threat groups, indicates that this novel group is likely linked to the Chinese threat ecosystem, end quote. Bleeping Computer points out that, quote, the downloader for PlugX malware is digitally signed using a certificate from Microsoft, end quote, recalling a December 2022 event in which Microsoft disclosed that hackers had abused Microsoft hardware developer accounts to sign malicious Windows drivers and post-compromise rootkits. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> two things here. One, if you're operating in the Asian market, uh, you would want to be familiar with the TTPs or at least the IOCs of Carter B Hacking Group. Um, it says it's associated with the Chinese threat actor ecosystem. It appears that they're targeting uh, East Asian. You know, it says Hong Kong here, but based on the story, it, it seems more East Asian. So if that falls into your wheelhouse, 
Uh, be mindful of that. They do talk about supply chain attack. I, I do want to share with people, especially if you're looking to break into the industry, or really actually for everybody, like supply chain attack is can be difficult. And this is from my own personal experience. It can be difficult to wrap your head around what it is. The NIST cybersecurity framework actually um, introduced an entire supply chain um, capability uh, with or you know featured capability within the framework uh, shortly after initial publication because it is so major. With supply chain, you've got to think like the parts that make, and Log4j is a great example, the parts that make up the tools that you're using, can you trace it back to where it started, right? Because, you know, I built, I integrated something and I used some code from Kimberly and I used some hardware from BSEC and then, but, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 BSEC and Kimberly are cool. And then BSEC's like, yeah, but I got my code that I put on my hardware, for, like the firmware on my hardware from Dcrash and Emmanuel Dark outsourced to some people on Fiverr to build uh, a part, a, a module or a library that went into Kimberly's tool. All right, well, I guess I kind of track that. And then we find out that Emmanuel Dark actually, like the people on Fiverr that, uh, Emmanuel hired actually went on to GitHub and pulled some like code from here and Stack Exchange from here and then ChatGPT here and and like basically you cannot follow the original source um, of of the code right so the software bill of materials you you you're like what the hell like I don't know like when Log4j popped people were like I don't know if I have Log4j we don't I don't think we have it and then people started finding out they did have it because if you go back like five layers. Um, you know, you're like finding out things that existed that you didn't know about. And the easiest way to think about it is think of like strata with light, right? So the person right next to you is in the light and you can see exactly what they look like, their face features, okay? Then the person behind them is 10 feet away and, you know, think of like a glow from a single light right above your head and the glow dampens as it gets further away. So 10 feet away, you can make out there's a human there, but you really can't make out their features. And then 20 feet away, 10 feet behind that second person is another person you're like kind of squinting because you think there's someone there but you're not sure if it's a mop and then like 30 feet away you can't even see them but they're like i'm here i wrote that module right so that's what supply chain is and in this instance the carterby people got some type of microsoft developer creds stamped it as approved and sent it forward and by the time it got to the people who were like you know pushing glasses up their nose and you know had a, a checklist they're like nope says microsoft good to go so anyways tldr uh if you're in east asia be be aware of this if you're just trying to get interest in Understanding supply chain, this is a great story to go with. Australian utility Energy One suffers cyber attack. Australia's Energy One Limited is a global supplier of software and services to the wholesale energy market. The company confirmed in a statement published on the website of the Australian Securities and Exchange that on Friday, August 18th, it, quote, established that certain corporate systems in Australia and the United Kingdom had been affected by a cyber attack, end quote. They have, of course, deployed the appropriate teams and resources for mitigation. All right, guys. Okay, so first of all, what's up, Australia? Oi, oi, oi. Um, cyber attack on an Australian utility firm. Okay, not, a, not you know, huge, right? Uh, industrial control systems, operational technology in the energy space. It is what it is. Uh, the fact that it's spread to the UK, in my opinion, it could have been one of two ways, right? You got, you know, an engineer sales guy who's in Australia, like talking to those people and then flies back to the UK and their infected machine just gets put on another network. Also, let's be real. We live in 2023. So networks were all integrated. They could have hopped on a VPN. Lateral movement is an entire 
uh, discipline within the threat actor space. So moving laterally off your box, east-west traffic, you might hear it referred to from time to time, um, is, is common. Another thing, it could have been uh, malicious USB, got plugged into multiple computers and taken on a plane. So this, this isn't like, oh my God, this is outrageous. How did it possibly traverse intercontinental? There's plenty of ways that it could have happened, okay? The other thing that is worth mentioning here, a couple years ago, or last year, I suppose, um, the Australian government got hit. And I say this every time there's an Australian story. The Australian government uh, got hit with like their major telecom and then their major medical provider in the country. And the lawmakers had the most like um, rubber mallet to knee uh, jerk re uh, reaction to it where they passed legislation as fast as I've ever seen legislation passed that if you were going to get breached, you had to disclose it and you were going to pay some fine or some penalty or whatever. And like, you know, the lawmakers are like f pulling their suspenders forward, feeling really proud of themselves about how they're going to fix all the cyber attacks with this legislation. And I said at that time, I said, okay, this is fine. Let's see when, um, an actual, you know, Fortune 50 company in Australia gets hit. And they're the ones who have been like, you know, paying for these politicians and stuff. Like, let's see where the teeth, if this thing actually has teeth. This is yet another story. Well, I would be very interested to see, okay, like this sucks, obviously, for Australian utility firm. But is there actually follow through on this legislation that got passed or is this legislation kind of at discretion if it's for a company that's a little bit smaller and doesn't have deep pockets where it, it could have friends in high places you know again i'm sorry to get a little bit cynical i do go off into that um cynical space from time to time tldr otics you know it, it's really tough to protect it is a niche area within the industry OT is being integrated with IT for remote management, especially in a post-pandemic world. So we're seeing a lot more of these compromises. There you go. TP-Link smart bulb vulnerabilities expose households to potential attacks. Researchers in Italy and the UK are warning that the TP-Link TAPO L530E smart bulb, that's TAPO, T-A-P-O, and its mobile application could be exploited in order to reveal local Wi-Fi network passwords. Of course it can. Tapo is a European smart device company, and this brand of smart bulb is a bestseller in Italy. Of four issues identified in a research paper, the most severe is, quote, a lack of authentication of the smart bulb with the Tapo app, which allows an attacker to impersonate a smart bulb and authenticate to the application, end quote. Consequently, the issue has a CVSS score of 8.8. .8. According to Security Week magazine, quote, the academics conducted their research using the IoT penetration testing tool PET-IoT, which stands for Penetration Testing the Internet of Things. Don't forget to join us. Oh, hold on. Are they going to talk about me? This Friday at 3.30 Eastern Time, 12.30 Pacific, when we will be coming to you live with our cybersecurity headlines week in review show, running down the week's top cybersecurity stories with name? expert insights from our CISO guest. To get in on the live action oh, and share bad. your own hot takes. I thought they might mention, uh, men I'm I'm the guest on the Weekend Review Friday cybersecurity headlines this Friday. So I thought they might mention me. But anyways, all right. So check it out. Um, <laughs> 2016 called and they want their like cutting edge research back. Um, and if you don't know, like 2016, 2017 was like the year of IoT hacking Bluetooth, everything was getting hacked. Like there was like 95 talks at DEF CON and Black Hat around like hacking smart bulbs. There was a um, a really, uh, there was an adult uh, device designed for people looking to spice things up that was also um, 
IP, IT enab uh, IP enabled that uh, threat actors were able to hack. And then there was some consideration around whether or not you could um, assault somebody in a very specific way remotely and if, how that would work out as a crime. This is a smart bulb. And basically, you can hack it. You can trick it. The apps... Dude, I, here's the thing. IoT devices are 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 written quickly. They're written to go to market. They don't. They're 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 not built by you know like uh, Cisco or Microsoft or Amazon, right? Like they're they're like quick to market. Here you go. It works. Let's rock and roll. If you've ever used a smart app, excuse me. If you've ever used a smart device and the apps that you have to download for it, you can tell the quality of the app build is like dodgy. Um, the, like the interface is like kind of okay. They say that like they call out that you can get the local Wi-Fi password. Okay, let me tell you two things here. One, your Wi-Fi password should not be a password that you reuse anywhere else. Good password hygiene. You shouldn't reuse passwords no matter what. I don't care if you're logging into your email or you're logging into the app itself or you're logging into your home wireless network. Do not reuse passwords, period, end of story. Second of all, Guys, when you set up a wireless light bulb or whatever, the first thing you have to do is plug in your wireless network password so the smart device can connect to your network, right? If you're going to look on your phone to look at your wireless webcam out back or of your garage, or you're going to plug on your phone and open up your front door, or you're going to plug in your phone and turn on a light bulb or whatever, you're connect. You're 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 giving your wireless password to that vendor already. And how many of you did a security questionnaire or some type of risk assessment on the quality of that company and their ability to store your wireless password? Spoiler alert: No one did. Everybody ex just typed in their wireless password, fired it off. Ooh, look! I can make the light blue, red, green. Dim it down. Dim it up. And I'm not throwing stones. I have smart light bulbs, right? I have, um, you know doorbell cameras and stuff like that. So like, I'm not throwing stones. I'm just saying from a GRC risk perspective, you are making the decision from a risk tolerance perspective that you're okay with your wireless network password being in the hands of other people who likely have dodgy security. So for me personally, yes, this is an exploit. You can get the wireless password. Making it a level eight is like, uh, bro, you might want to like chill out a little bit. I don't know what the flex is, but Seriously, um, um, yeah, exactly. All right, so let's keep going. I got a couple minutes here. Uh, that was the story. Let's do this. Sorry, guys. Coming in hot, moving quick. All right, really quickly, if you were here just for the news, don't, uh, don't leave yet. I want to share a couple things with you. At 9.15, at 9.15 a.m., I've got a premiere going live. Um, I, I kind of like put this under the radar, um, premieres in 20 minutes. This is a produced video, Google cyber cert full review. Um, I, I took the classes. I got a bunch of certificates. Like I, I have an opinion. Okay. One thing I don't like to do is just like shoot from the hip and, and, and like, like armchair quarterback opinions on things. Unless I unless I qualify and say I didn't I don't know I didn't do this part or this part, um, so anyways this will be fun. Also want to remind everybody that um, today at 1 p.m. we are continuing our market your cyber self series. Remember I've been working with Virginia Case 
over the last couple months to bring you this Simply Cyber original series around marketing your cyber self. A lot of great information around branding, around engagement, around TMI. Today we're talking about a path to mastering pain-free promotion. Just because you're promoting yourself doesn't mean it has to feel icky. It doesn't mean you have to feel like you're selling yourself. Um, so we're, uh, Virginia's gonna show us. So this is at 1 p.m. today. We got a lot of great content on the show today. We got the live stream, the Google cert review, and the market your cyber self. So hit the subscribe button, bells, all those things, if you wanna be uh, made aware when we go live uh, as usual. All right, guys, so if you were here just for the news, um, I bid you a farewell and um, hope you had a good time. Hit the like button on the way out. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. We're going to pivot over to Jawjack, and if you don't know what that is, you're about to get a face full of it. So I'll see you in a hot minute. Cheers, everybody. Like I always do, I don't have chat up, so you'll have to give me a hot minute on that. Here we go, here we go. All right, and we are entering jawjacking. So if it's your first time here, just as a quick little aside, jawjacking is basically a freestyle AMA coming in hot off the um, off the news and bringing you, basically answering whatever questions you got. Uh, hey, just as a follow-up from the, um, hold on one second. Hold on, I got a bunch of stuff coming in in chat. Couple things, one, uh, BSEC does mention that uh, your wireless network at home, you could use um, multiple SSIDs and have an IoT LAN segment. That's a great idea. Um, that's a great idea. Also wanna shout out uh, Just Incredible Studios who got accepted to a master's program. Gonna straight kill it. Um, also, also, I want to remind everybody, is David Meese still in chat? Is David Meese still in chat? Yeah, David Meese is in chat. Okay, so guys, check this out really quickly. David Meese, who is in chat right now, he's a great member of the cyber, uh, um, of the cybersecurity community. He's also a member of the Simply Cyber community. Uh, his LinkedIn account got like, like shut down or locked up um, the other day. I, I think they think he's a threat actor. Believe me. David Meese is the furthest thing from a threat actor. He's a straight up great guy, gives a lot to the community. Um, I don't know how we can help David, um, you know, like like talking on LinkedIn, maybe tagging at LinkedIn in posts. Uh, David, if you have any thoughts on how we might be able to help you, let us know in chat. But um, obviously it would be nice for him to be back on the platform. So let's see if we can help him with that. Um, here we go. Let's see. Is GRC easier to get into? Is easier to get into entry level asks Andre Diaz. So Andre, I would argue absolutely GRC of all. The, here's the thing. When you say the easiest to get into at entry level, you've got to qualify it, right? Or I will qualify it for you in my response. One easiest, easy meaning level of difficulty or easy because it's the most amount of jobs across all dimensions. It isn't like the pie of jobs in information security is like 25% pen test, 25% SOC analyst, 25% GRC, right? 
There's fewer pen testing jobs. There's a lot of SOC analyst jobs, partially because burnout and partially because a lot of organizations are investing in that. But there is a surge in GRC jobs because more and more companies are being required to have information security or being asked to have information security. And the first thing that they typically hire is a GRC person who then turns around and hires an MSSP to be, or an MDR or managed detection and response service, which is basically a bank of SOC analysts. So this ecosystem is here. I argue that GRC is the easiest to get into from an entry level position for the following reasons. One, there is a uh, surge in opportunity within at least the US market. I have to assume Five Eyes countries are following suit as well. Two, of all the things, it's the one that requires the least technical background. You do need to understand networking and operating systems, but you do not need to be like a computer science person. You can learn a little bit on the job. Third, Audit is usually the first thing that you do when you get into GRC, if you're entering any type of like program that has structure. There's a lot of opportunities within the United States, specifically servicing the um, US government from a professional services capability. So this means working for a consulting firm like Booz Allen, Deloitte, PwC, SAIC, um, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, et cetera, right? You can find these things. Go do FISMA auditing. Also, CMMC is coming like a, a bat out of heck. So a lot of organizations are requiring CMMC audit. So there's an entire uh, cottage industry that's being spun up there. So yes, GRC, good place to go. Uh, uh, Michael T says, how can we join LinkedIn? Do exclamation point LinkedIn. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Discord. Exclamation point Discord in chat. Uh, so, uh, Michael T, let me know if you don't get into Discord and uh, we'll help you. Um, Jose Alfredo says, I need to learn how to segment my network. Is there a YouTube video on that? Uh, well, Jose, if you're talking about segmenting your home network, yes, there probably is. And it's as simple as different SSIDs, which is not really a true network segmentation. It's just, I mean, you're putting certain endpoints on one network and certain endpoints on another. I guess that's segmentation. If you're talking true like enterprise grade network segmentation with different VLANs and firewalls, there probably is not a video on it. There's probably a course on it. Uh, depends what you're looking for, but home network for sure. Kyle Murphy, my wife said she's getting jealous of Gerald. <laughs> I wake up to him. She just saw me put the 11 a.m. on the schedule and I'm taking the course all day. That's okay, Kyle. Uh, Mrs. Murphy, hello, Mrs. Murphy. Um, we're we're just help we're just we're just a community just helping each other out, um, so yes. All right, um, Kyle's wife's like, you know what I want to do with Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Marvin TXX says, hi Jerry, what do you think of the Microsoft cybersecurity cert? Is it worth getting? I don't know that one. Is there a um? So I'll just tell you guys, I I have a video for Google cybersecurity full review. Um, or Google cybersecurity certification review that drops today at 9.15 a.m. Also, I did the um, ISC squared uh, CC, the secure cybersecurity certification. I have a video coming out next week on that one. Um, I'm kind of like, I don't know if you guys notice, I, I do certain like, like bundles of things. Like I did the, you know, pivoting into cyber series. And then I did a bunch of like pen tester live interviews with like Hammond and Nahamsek and Ipsec and stuff like that. So right now I'm into like cyber certs and reviewing those. So whatever this Microsoft, what is it? Microsoft cybersecurity certification. Let me see what this is really quickly. Is it? The, no, it's not this one. 
Architect would not be an entry-level one. Uh, is it this one? This Coursera one? Is it this one? Let me know if this is what you're talking about. I haven't reviewed this one. I mean, I could take a quick sniff of it. Uh, nine courses, intro to computers, OS, networking. I mean, this is a pretty solid start. Um, Azure. Oh, you know what? Okay, so listen, I did look at this one. Um, I, I did a quick sniff of this one. Who asked? Marvin. Here's my only thing with this one. I think that this is a fine course, and if and I could do a deeper dive on it, but I did look at this. Here's my, my uh, TLDR on this one. Oh, I missed a super chat? Hold on. No, I didn't. Oh, uh, I guess Mono Julian had a super chat. One of my interviews is IT sysadmin. The description has security responsibilities. Should I consider it an entry point to cybersecurity? Thanks for the super chat, Mono. Can we just become best friends? Yep. Um, I think every aspect of IT has some security. Absolutely. If you get an IT job that has security responsibilities, you can definitely do it. Transitioning from IT to cyber is, is easier than not being in IT to go to cyber. Plus, if you have cyber responsibilities, you can document those on your resume at the top of your job description or you know what you learned in that role. Third, if you're working in IT in doing security stuff, you can get chummy chummy mono with the with the CISO. Let them know that you're there to help their initiatives and their missions. And oh, by the way, if they want to add staff to their um, office, you're the guy to go to. So absolutely think that's a great move. Okay, so this Microsoft cybersecurity certification, here's what I think about it. Um, I think if you have no IT background at all, this is this is pretty good because the first three classes are very agnostic, okay? That they're not specific to Microsoft. They're very universal and, and ubiquitous with knowledge. I talk about networking and operating system is two things that you need to learn if you're gonna work in cyber. I don't care if you're doing the most mundane, non-technical thing in cybersecurity. You need to understand networking and operating systems. And you could see right here, the first two classes are operating systems and networking and throwing a little cloud on top of that, right? So this is a great start. My one, you know, criticism of this, and it's it's not a criticism, but it, it's a reality is, if you look at it, it's very specific to Microsoft tech stack. So Azure, Defender, it says tools and technologies. I guarantee you it's like Microsoft Exchange Online Protection, Sentinel One. It This is all about getting skilled in Microsoft cybersecurity as an entry-level person, okay? Which is fine, Microsoft has a huge footprint, but it's some of the other ones, like the, the Google cybersecurity certification one that I'm gonna do a review on in about six minutes, right? That one, this one is not, it's not Google specific. You don't get into Google compute at all. It does talk about cloud, but it's not about Google. It's not about Google. This one, this is all about Microsoft, okay? After the first couple courses. That's my thoughts on that one, okay? Um, let's see. Uh, I have an interview for a business information security officer role with a Fortune 500. Okay, elite gunslinger. Straight crushing it. Would this be a good stepping stone to CISO in your opinion? Oh, absolutely. Dude, are you kidding? Yeah, absolutely, elite gunslinger. So elite gunslinger, business information security officer. You're kind of like um, a high-ranking GRC person, quasi-CISO. You're, you're going to be reporting to the CISO 
um, almost always in a, a BISO role. You're going to report to the CISO, so you're one step below that. You can work directly with them. You can have your own initiatives, your own focus, your own scope. Um, I, I think it's a great stepping stone, honestly. Um, so go for it. Uh, just incredible studio. Should I get my CCNA or CYSA plus? Justin, it depends what you want to do with your career. I'll just assume you want to go YOLO on information security. I personally would recommend you get the CYSA plus. I have said it on the show before. I think CCNA is fine if you want to learn networking, but I think it's very, 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 very leaned towards being a network engineer in a Cisco environment not a security engineer in a generic environment. Even a security engineer in a Cisco environment, the CCNA is like way over the top. BSEC uh, is the resident network engineer. He might have some other thoughts on that, just incredible. So look for BSEC's comments in chat. But I would argue if I only have like, you know, you know, time is a uh, finite resource, right? Money, you can make more money, but you know, money is, you know, you only have so much of it. You definitely only have so much time. So if you're going to spend your valuable time and your valuable money on one of these two certs in order to propel your career forward, CYSA plus is where it's at. Josh Collins asks, is it IT management a good degree for GRC? Um, it's not bad. Um, I don't think, I mean, it's okay. I think it's okay. I, I you know, I, when I hear IT management, I think even though it's IT, I think less technical. I think more like um, management and information solution. Like basically, it sounds like it's a it's a reskin of MIS degrees. Um, I came up computer science, so I'm much more technical, and I, I shouldn't have this bias. But when I look at MIS degrees, I'm like, okay, like non-technical. Um, but GRC is the least technical of the dimensions within cybersecurity. So I don't think it's a bad idea. Josh Collins, I don't know what your curriculum is made up of. So just saying IT management, it could be heavy IT and then a little bit of management skills, or it could be all management, a couple little cyber skills. So it really depends. All I would say, and I say this with everything, whether it's a, 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 a higher ed degree or it is a certification, Yes, whatever you earn is important, but it's important to capture what you actually learned, not earned, learned while you were getting that education, that degree, that certification, whatever, and capture that because those are the impact statements that HR and employers are wanting to see. What do you know? What can you do for me, right? And this one's a perfect one. Oh, I'm looking at the resume. Josh has an IT management degree. What does that mean? And the reality is guys, you have to make, you have to spoon feed hiring managers and HR people. They don't want to do, like, it's not that they don't want to do work. It's just that you, if you make it easy for them, they'll do it. If you make it hard for them, I'm not going to Google Josh Collins, you know, college and IT management. Look at what the degree is. I, I, I do do that, but most people aren't going to do that. So you have to make it easy for them. Okay. Uh, Nature's Advocate says, what's the silver bullet entry level GRC cert? Um, I guess ISACA CISA is probably the closest thing. I'll tell you what, guys, if I had enough time, I would create I would create a GRC entry level cert that's worth a damn. Sorry, Kennedy, sorry, Jane. Like that's that's on my like vision board. Like I, I think this industry this industry didn't have good GRC training and I made it and I'm very proud of it. I think this industry doesn't have a decent GRC entry level certification. Um but that's a massive amount of work. And once you start that flywheel moving, you've got to support it, maintain it. And I'm just not in a place to do that. But CISA is the 
uh, industry standard auditor cert and definitely uh, really good. You're going to get your value for a CISA cert. King Victory says, hi, Jerry. I really enjoyed the show today. I hope you're doing great. I was wondering if you could recommend any comprehensive websites to learn practical skills as a security analyst. Uh, King Victory, I got a bunch of websites. Uh, part of the problem is security analyst is an incredibly vague term. That could mean GRC. That could mean SOC analyst. That could mean a lot of things. Um, I'll just go through my, my you know, favorites. Um, so, well, okay. So like World of Haiku, right? I happen to work there right now, but like World of Haiku is a great platform for teaching you basic Linux, basic cybersecurity. It's a great entry point. Um, let's defend. Again, I have a coupon code or an affiliate discount code for Let's Defend. I forget what it is. You'll have to get with me in September when I have more time to think about stuff like that. Come on. What's going on? I freaking hate when things don't load. Come on. There it is. So Let's Defend if you want to get SOC analyst training. I think this is a really cool, valuable platform. Um, Range Force. Come on. Range Force is another good one worth checking out. Um, what else is really, really cool? Obviously, um, my SOC analyst, well, not mine, Eric Capuano's SOC analyst lab. Check out the playlist on my channel. Um, that's another great place to go get um, interesting, valuable uh, information. Um, trying to think. Yeah, hopefully that answers your question, King Victory. Uh, obviously, simplycyber.io. Um, I have a resources section. Where is it? Uh, it's under more free resources. Like you can filter by category. I curated all these. Okay. So you can look there as well. Next question. Um, Paul Dent. What's up, Paul Dent? I love myself some Paul Dent. I'm trying to transition from tech sales to cyber. If I make 80K now, is there an entry-level role I can land that won't be a pay cut? Actually, you know what? I actually saw a study um, recently that the average, not the average, but people aren't taking jobs for less than 79K. It's a bump up from last year where it was 72K. I know that a lot of entry-level jobs are below that. Paul, if you need 80K, what I would recommend you do is, um, if you want GRC, focus on... Uh, FISMA auditor roles for professional service firms, Fortune 500 companies that have deeper pockets and can pay higher salaries, target areas like in the Washington, D.C. Beltway, the Dallas area, um, obviously Silicon Valley, New York. Um, I'm not saying you have to move, but these remote positions with these fat clients, uh, you might be able to get after it that way. Again, it might be a little bit challenging because consulting work is not a layup. It, it is hard work and there will be some travel you can get other jobs that are over um, at or over 80K, uh, but um, tech sales, you know, tech sales, they get great commissions, so it can be challenging when making a pivot. All right. Hopefully that answers your question, Paul. Um, I see uh, uh, Jesse Johnson drop threat gen as a really interesting way to learn. All right, guys, it looks like we're we're about to do the uh, premiere. It's starting up. So I'm going to drop a link in chat. I'm going to drop this. Thanks so much, everybody. Catch the premiere with me. I'll be live in chat on my channel, Simply Cyber, in just a minute. Uh, I did not configure it to push you. I apologize. So please do me a favor. Go to the link in chat right now. Go to the Simply Cyber YouTube channel if you want. And uh, let's let's have a good time. 
Thanks to the mods for all the work they do. Thank all of you for being here for Jawjack. And I'm Jerry. This is Simply Cyber. I'll see you in the premiere as we talk about the Google Cyber Cert. Bye, everybody.